everybody how we doing today? Kingdom City, we good? Can I wish you a big happy birthday, church? Can we welcome the Plaza location? Can we say happy birthday to our church family just a few miles away, our church family online. And I think the most special part of our church family is the community of the men and our leaders at our Lansing Correctional Facility right now. Men, we love you. Leave a big, beautiful future for your life. No matter what the circumstances you're facing, your God is faithful. How are we doing? Good? Happy birthday, everybody. You guys can grab your seat. Let's thank the worship team for 12 years showing up early to prepare a place for us to encounter the presence of God. And I also just want to give a shout out, even though they will not hear us, to everyone who serves at Kingdom Kids on the plaza and up north. Come on, those that serve behind the scenes, raising up a generation of world changers. And everyone is a part of that. And I'm uh, very grateful for every one of you here at Kingdom City Church. We are building people that bring heaven to earth. And I, I got to give some love to my little slice of heaven on earth, my lovely better half, Liz. You might call her PL, Pastor Liz. I just call her Babe. And she is so much more than a pastor's wife. She is the most incredible teammate anyone could ever ask for. That's such an encouraging voice to me helping me just sharpen in days where I've been frustrated. She's brought fresh faith, fresh vision, fresh hope, and she truly is so amazing, not just on the platform for moments of prayer or preaching or for her future, which if you're not on Friday night, you, you're fully going to miss the call of God on your life. Just going to let you know that, ladies. But uh, thank you for answering the call of God with me, and I love you very, very, very much. Grateful for you. You're awesome. To my amazing parents who uh, went first in serving God a hundred years ago. <laughs> we love you so much. And mom, we continue to stand for total healing. My mom hasn't been in church in about a year because of just the physical demands. And so we're glad to worship with you today. And we love you. Thank you for all the prayer that kept me on course. And he never gave up and probably kept me out of jail. So we thank you. <laughs> And we love you. And to the amazing staff and amazing team, all the amazing families I see and couples I see uh, that have been here, some of you a few years, some of you 12 years. And uh, we could not do this apart from the grace of God. And yet God's grace is administered through amazing faithful family, church family. So from the bottom of my heart, to the 400 plus people that have been reached for Jesus this year, to the thousands, probably coming up on probably 10,000 that have said yes to Jesus because of the ministry of this church. That is not because of me. It's all because of Jesus, but he works through people. And so that's your fruit. That's your harvest. That is your faithfulness. Even if you're brand new in on this thing, you get a reward and share in that as well. So thank you, church, for your incredible faithfulness. Amen. Here we are in church 12 years later. A lot has happened in the last 12 years. When I first took the walk between the front row of the movie theater on the plaza that has been torn down, it was supposed to be at Nordstrom's, and we, now we don't know what it is, but those few steps that I took to the podium was one of the longest walks of my life, uh, but I got up and proclaimed the message of Jesus, and uh, what I believe is the truth, that he has a plan and purpose for every person, a, a significance that is eternal, and I'm going to bring a little bit of that message back here a little rewind from 12 years ago um, but here's church church is what it's, it's it's a place we go yes it's a building yes but we know it's a community of faith it's a family of faith 
It is so much bigger than just the preacher. It is about God's work, the ministry of Jesus working through us together. It is much more than just a little Christian gathering for an hour and 20 minutes on a Sunday. Uh, it's the movement of Jesus, Christ Jesus moving and administering grace to a broken world. He does it through the church. By the church, I mean he does it through believers. He does it through people like you and me, ordinary people with the most extraordinary purpose, the purpose of heaven, to seek and save the lost, to, to bring the prodigals home, to declare the favorable year of the Lord for all of humanity. This is what we get to do. This is the privilege and the honor of leading the mission of Jesus together as a family of faith. Think about it, the whole world. The whole world was changed through the life and leadership of one man. Son of God, Jesus. Here we are 2,000 years removed from the cross, and it is going to touch hearts today. There's going to be salvations today. If you came new to church today, we're glad to have you here on our birthday celebration, but today's going to be a birthday in your life. It's going to be an eternal birthday. It's a day where you were born again into the kingdom of God, into the family of God, the place where you were always meant to belong. It'll be a birthday for you. But the whole world was changed through the leadership of one man. And though Jesus did the cross alone, Jesus did the cross alone. He didn't change the world alone. We know that he had disciples. Disciples means a dedicated one, someone that was growing in their faith. And then they became the apostles. That means the sent out ones. Jesus gave away the ministry and sent them out. He said, it's better that I go to be with the Father. So the, the presence, my presence, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God can be in you. And so Jesus gave the ministry away, and the apostles did the same thing. They started churches all over the known world, and they empowered other believers that were just even recently reached and saved by this message of Jesus' grace and salvation, and then empowered to carry it on for the next generation. And here, 2,000 years removed, here we are. This is our time and our space where Jesus has handed that mantle and the mission that matters the most, this mission of grace, the mission of Jesus onto us. Now it is... It is our time. And as Jesus gave away the ministry, here it has found us in this time. And Jesus has just decided, which seems like the greatest, uh, most interesting choice of all time, to choose people like you and me, to give the most important mission in all of eternity to. And that this world that's gone so wrong, guess what? God's plan is still right on track. I say that for your life. Wherever it's gone wrong or where it doesn't seem like it's working, God's plan is still on track. The world feels like it's falling apart. God's looking for people of faith to bring it back together. God's plan will still prevail. It never, ever fails. And here we are on our 626th Sunday as a church. I think I've preached about 580 of those Sundays, but I'm excited today as if I was the very first one because the future is right in front of us. We're believing this is a season of kingdom come for us as a church. I want to speak for a few moments on, on, on what I'm calling um, God's plan, our part. God's plan, but our part. You have a part to play. It is not to sit in a seat. It is not just to receive a message that makes you feel good for a moment. It's to be a carrier of the eternal grace of God to the world around you. And I know that sounds real weighty, because it is. Another word for weight, Old Testament would translate the word glory. 
the glory to glory and faith to faith has come to us 2,000 years later. And it's our time to put our weight behind something that matters more than just receiving something for ourselves. It's time to be participants in kingdom come to the world around us. And if I will dare this endeavor to answer a question uh, that I'd love to ask you today, can we really change the world? Like, can we really, really change the world? And if so, how would we do that? Would you join me in Prayer Plaza online, Lansing, everyone up north, let's pray. God, first and foremost, we wanna give you all the glory. We wanna give you all the credit. Not just for 12 years, but 2,000 years, you've been faithful. Faithful to your word, faithful to save, faithful to give us grace, faithful to redeem broken situations. We have a faithful God. But God, you've also ministered your grace through a faithful church. For 12 years, faithful people, sacrificial, servant-hearted, faith-filled people have built your kingdom through Kingdom City Church in the reaching of thousands and thousands of people. And Lord, I thank you that we're 12 years into what we're believing is a 100-plus-year-old church that's bigger than us, it's generational, that goes on beyond us and matters for all of eternity. God, I thank you that you would build every life here. You would reach them, encourage them, sharpen them, challenge them, empower them, and grace them to bring radical change to a city that so desperately needs it. Lord, we love you. We celebrate you. Thank you for letting us be a part of what you've been building for 2,000 plus years. It's in your mighty name, Jesus, that we pray. Can I get a happy birthday level of amen? Amen, amen. Can we really change the world? Like really, really? Like we talk about big destiny and mission and the mandate of the Great Commission to go into all the world. We talk about that stuff all the time, but, but, but can we really do that? Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. Did not bring your Bible. It'll show up in a giant digital version on the screen. Luke chapter 10. This last Friday night, uh, my son Graham, who is in the third grade, uh, got to take the field um, at a high school football game. He did not play, although I think he's almost there. Um, he got to run out because he played flag football at the school that we go to, and they invited all the flag football teams to, to be with the varsity team. And it was a big deal, at least for me. Uh, he got to be in the hype huddle. He got to hear the pregame speech, and they were jumping up and down, and I was, I was so excited. Uh, I like to say that I played high school football, but the reality, I was the kicker, so I got to wear a uniform, and I participated some other time. But I remember that was a special moment for me, and I'm watching him, and as he's running out on the field, and they run through the, you know, run through the paper, like, ribbon banner thing. I was so, I was so pumped. I was having the Friday Night Lights fever. I could hear ACDC Thunderstruck being played by the Holy Spirit in my heart. And I'm, I, this is embarrassing to admit, but I got teary-eyed. <laughs> which maybe means that football has a little bit too much of my heart. But I was just so excited because one day he's going to be playing on the field. Like he plays now. It's no big deal. Yesterday he had the game-saving play. He scored the first touchdown. No big deal. Takes after his dad. Anyways, humility. But one day he's going to play in the big field. And I love that he got to be a part of the pregame thing six years before he'll ever suit up for that team. I, I love that. I remember back to my high school years. I remember my coach. His name was Coach Ferguson. We called him Fergie, not to his face. And he was fierce. He was literally, I don't think I ever heard him talk. Definitely didn't heard him whisper. If he was saying something, he was screaming something. And he would give a great pregame speech. Even at halftime, we could be up by several scores. And he'd be happy. He'd find something to yell about. Now, the problem with this is that we all knew that he just recently recovered from a massive heart attack. We knew this because he always wore those like 
old school cutoff shirts that there's like nothing here. And you could see the scar on his chest of his like newly repaired heart. And as he was screaming, all of us were like, coach, we will play better. Please stop screaming. We're afraid you're going to die. You need to calm down a little bit. But he could rally the team unlike anybody else. And what we see here in Luke chapter 10 is a pregame speech. What we see here is before this, this group of Jesus followers takes the field, we see Jesus hyping them up. He's both telling them what they can expect, what they're supposed to do, challenging the way they think, letting them know it's not going to be easy. But letting them know if you do this, there's something great that's on the other side of it. And I hope that we can catch a hold of that, uh, that we can catch a hold of that spirit, that, that, that if Jesus is rallying us to participation, that we'd own the moment and opportunity that's before us so that we could see everything that God's been wanting to do in this next season, in this next game, as we take the field, which is not a football field, it's a mission field. It's a harvest field. That as we would take the field, that we would be doing it away according to the one who saved us and is coaching us still to this day. Luke chapter 10, I'll read a large portion of scripture. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs like Mahomes and Kelsey. By the way, shout out to my guy that I was sitting next to at the football game on Thursday. That's why my voice is a little hoarse. And yes, I will yell later today, but I was yelling a whole lot on Thursday. And some of you need to cheer a little bit more for Jesus than you do for the Chiefs, but that's for another message. He says, I'm sending you out two by two to all the towns and the places where he says that Jesus planned to visit. He says, before I show up, I'm sending you first. If you want me to show up, you got to go first. And these are the instructions he gave them. He said that the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So the first thing I want you to do before you go is I want you to pray. Pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers, more of people like you into the field. Now go. And remember, I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of Birkenstock sandals. No, you're not going to need anything. He says, don't even stop to talk to people on the road. This is too important. And whenever you enter someone's house, first say, hey, I'm going to pray a blessing on this house. And if they're peaceful, the blessing stands. If not, the blessing returns to you. He says, don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place. Eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept the hospitality because a, a worker is worthy of his wages. A work, those who work deserve their pay. And if you enter the town and it welcomes you, eat whatever's set before you and then heal the sick. Tell them the kingdom of God is near now. But if a town refuses to welcome you, even in first century Israel, haters are going to hate. Go into the streets and say, we wipe even the dust of, our, of your city from our feet to show that we've abandoned you to your faith. In other words, you can have your dust back. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. God's incredible mission, God's incredible plan, our part to play. Can we really change the world? You might be saying, well, well, PK, I, I came to church. I need, my, I need my world changed. And you're not alone. In fact, I'd even say this. A pastor on the platform, including, there's places in my, my life and my world. I wanted God to show up. There's seasons of times in my life. I want God to redeem back things that haven't seemed like they've gone the right way. 
You're not alone. But I will say this, and this is what I firmly believe, not as a preacher in a church, but as a person that has seen God do it in his own life, that anytime I live to change the world, God changes my world. And so if you want to see radical life change in your life, in your relationships, to be set free, get freedom, even to bring your mental health back into alignment with God's word and God's plan, when I start living to play in the field, God goes to work in the places of my heart. If I want God to build my relationships, then I got to get in on what he's doing. And it just prepares in the spirit of humility a special avenue for God's grace to show up. He brings change when we live to bring change to the world around us. And here we have Jesus. Jesus has been working hard. Jesus has been grinding. Jesus has been preaching. Jesus has been healing. He's been doing most of the work as a solo practitioner, as the 12 were watching. And now it's the time. It's like, you see how I do it. Now it's your time to participate. And he gives them this pregame speech. And then he's launching these 36 dynamic duos out into the broken world. He says, this is the game plan. Jesus gives them their part. He, monitored, he, he modeled ministry to them. Now he's letting them, hey, you test drive it a little bit. It's time for you to go. Hey, do you remember when you were growing up and your parents used to let, like, you sit in their lap and drive the car? Like, you remember that? Did anyone still do that? Like, when you're five, six, seven years old? Oh, y'all act like you're all faith. There are some police officers in our church, but you're going to be fine. I'll tell you right now, I still do it. Like, I'm not taking them on 435 or anything, but I'm taking them around the neighborhood. And they love it because they know that one day they're going to get to drive themselves. In fact, my daughter, whose birthday is coming up, she's already counting the other day, so she's 16. Tell me the car that she already wants. And that's great. I'm just praying by then that like self-driving automated cars are inexpensive enough to purchase because I got to take care of my angel. And so, but they drive and they love it. And remember when you first got your keys when you were 16? Like any opportunity you got to drive, you were gone. Like you, your mom th thinks she forgot milk at the store. You were halfway to Quick Trip before they even asked you to go. But then something changes after a while. It's like a 10-minute drive. Oh. I got, oh, I got to drive through the plaza for night church tonight. I got to come up north for her future. I was like, oh, I, I just really can't be bothered. What, what happened there is that something that used to be so exciting becomes ordinary. And I can't help but think about there was a time when you got to first participate in bringing the grace of God to your world. Maybe it's just 30, 40, 50 years ago. Maybe it's a year ago. But when Jesus first saved your soul and set you free and gave you a hope, you could not wait to tell the world around you. Is there anyone else that you remember that day? Maybe it's right here in church where God did a new work or you came back home to faith and you couldn't help but bring people along. But after time, that which was extraordinary becomes ordinary. And it feels like extra work. Instead of realizing this is the opportunity that we all have to participate in something that is everlasting. Not a lot in your life is going to live on forever, but the people you reach for Jesus do. And if we're going to be sent out in Jesus' game plan, then we've got to live and play according to his rules. Can we really change the world? I, I really believe we can. I really believe we can, but we can't do it alone. You have gifts. You might be very gifted. You might have a lot of blessing and favor on your life, but even the most gifted and favored individual of all time, Jesus Christ, thought that getting others to participate and doing life and ministry together was the right plan. You can't do it alone. He sent them out two by two, these, these unknown dynamic duos. He sent them out in unity. In Matthew 18, Jesus says again, I t tell you, uh, 
I tell you truly that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, your Father who's in heaven will show up. That if you get together, two or three gather together in my name, I am here and I am with them. It says that if you get in unity with the will of God in collaboration in community, heaven invades earth. You think about Noah who two by two with animals saved the species. Now Jesus' plan and his game plan is two by two we save humanity. That it's actually the power of participation. It isn't about your gift and my gift mix. It's about us getting together in unity. I love that Jesus says in that part in Luke 10 that don't go bouncing around from house to house. Plant yourself in one place. And I just want to challenge everyone that is shopping around, window shopping at church. If it is not here, it is somewhere. But you need to be planted in a house because it's in that place you're going to bring ministry and change to the world that needs what you've got when we do it together. Ecclesiastes 4 says two people are better off than one. The wisest man in the Old Testament, Solomon says, where they can help each other succeed. It brings success in your life. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls by themselves is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm, alone, single guys are like, tell me about it. <laughs> A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two together, standing back to back, conquer. Three are even better as he enters in the God equation. Because a triple braided cord is not easily broken. I don't care how bad you are. I don't care how gifted you are. In isolation, you are set up for devastation. It will not work. Eventually you will come to the end of your own ability and you're missing the power of unity of the way that God works through his people. But if we get back to back, if we get united in this thing, if we get centered around Jesus, if we get centered around God, we have an unbreakable life. Some of you, life has broken you down. And I'm telling you, God will rebuild your life in unity with the right people, with Jesus at the center of it all. As we launch Connects this week, it is not something to do for people who have nothing to do. It is not another little Christian group to belong to. It might be built around playing basketball. Or, or, or a social thing or a hobby that we do, but it is more than anything. It's an opportunity to get connected with those people that believe the same as you. The people that are going the same direction that you're desiring to go. And when we do that, friends, we have an unbreakable life. The Bible says as iron sharpens iron, and your faith in isolation will not grow. You're going to need at least another voice in your life. You need a group. Let me speak to an isolated believer. You don't have to do it alone. And I would think according to the word of God that you actually can't do it alone. What's the end I'm talking about? I'm talking about destiny. I'm talking about the very unique purpose that God placed you on the earth for. You cannot accomplish it in isolation. And yet some of you, you're gonna hear that with the baggage of past church hurt or insecurities or inferiorities or because you got some issues going on in your life and your world. Friend, join the club. It doesn't say when we get together and we're perfect. We're not. Because he perfects that which concerns us. It's when we get together in unity that God commands a blessing. And we get braided and wrapped around the mission of Jesus. We live unbreakable in this world. We've seen a lot of people break apart in the last couple of years. Isolation. Allow fear to rule the day. If they would have had one more voice saying into them, hey, God's got more for you. 
hey, let's pray about this situation right now. We're not giving up on that marriage right now. We're going to give it one more month. We're going to give it one more prayer. We're going to give it one more counseling session. We're going to give it one more time of prayer and fasting. We're not giving up on your prodigal child. We're going to pray one more time. We're going to send one more text. We're going to worship God ahead of time for their salvation and their return home. If you had one more voice like that, it would have been an unbreakable situation. And so Jesus takes these 72 people that we don't know who they are. We don't know their gifting. I would bet to believe none of them preached before. They just watched Jesus do it. They had been with Jesus. And Jesus says, those that have been with me, they're wrapped around me. Now you're united together. I'm sending it out. We don't know how gifted they are, which to me speaks that the purpose is more important than the person. And if you want to fulfill a greater purpose, that it's not about you just getting better. It's about you getting united. So Jesus gives this pep rally and says, there is so much harvest. There's way too much out there for any individual. So the first thing I want you to do is I want you to get united together. And what we're going to do first is we're going to pray. And we're going to pray, God, would you make more of us? Would you send more of us? And so we ask ourselves, can we really change the world? Yes, you cannot do it alone. And secondly, you can't do it without God. As gifted as we might be, as good as the worship team, production, those in Kingdom Kids, as we all used our gifts, it's good, but it's God's glory that shows up and God's presence that shows up that is the real difference maker because not a single one of us can save a soul. We can bridge the gap between their broken world and our beliefs and sharing, encouraging, and loving, but it is the Holy Spirit that shows up and changes hearts. So we cannot do this without God. So the first thing Jesus says, hey, as you unite together, I'm going to ask you to pray. I need you to get that fire on the inside. I need you to get that humility that asks for heaven to show up and help you in this situation. Because Jesus makes it very clear why you're going to need help. Because he says, when you go out, remember, I'm sending you with lambs as lambs among wolves. That's not the most encouraging thing, Jesus. That we're just lambs and they're wolves. By the way, when I say there, I am not talking about an individual person. I'm not talking about an ideology. I'm not talking about a political party. I'm not talking about a person that doesn't look like you, act like you, grow up like you, or vote like you. These are not your enemies. You have an enemy. He is the devil, and he hates all people, and he causes divisiveness and separation and isolation to get us to destroy each other. But it's not about all the things that we have to have in uniformity. It's about unity. He says, don't don't you forget, you're going out there as lambs, but there's wolves. This is a dangerous scenario, and I can say that as a... I don't know what it's like to be a lamb, but I definitely think, believe like lambs don't want to hang out with wolves. Wolves want to hang out with lambs. Like the, the, the advantage, wolves, every single time. So Jesus is saying, you're not just going to need a friend. You don't just need another sheep. You're going to need God. You're going to need a shepherd. You're going to need someone to protect you. If we're really going to go out into this dangerous world with its crazy culture, and let's not kid ourselves, an antichrist culture. It's not us versus people. People are the promised land. We believe we don't wrestle against people physically, flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and rulers of the earth. This is a spiritual battle. It says if we're going to go out as lambs, we're going to need a shepherd. We're going to need a leader. We're going to need his voice. We're going to need his protection. And yet some of us just want to have a nice little lamb life. (laughs) Safe in the pasture. Let's gather together and let's just talk about what we think other believers should be doing and what they're not doing right. Let's be critical of how church XYZ doesn't do what this does or that. Well, why do they really want us to serve anyway? 
I, I got my own things that I'm working on. I want to circle around with a few lambs, and we'll just have a little lamb journal. And I'm all for journaling. Journal your little heart out. But there's a harvest at stake. And here we go as sheep among wolves. And you need a shepherd. I'm not saying me. I'm saying Jesus. I promise you this, though, as the pastor of this church, I will challenge you on your worst day to get up and trust God and worship God anyway. And I will, I will encourage you on your best day that God still has more for you. And every single one of us, if we would believe that and get in unity together and we would pray first and go out to this world, we believe what Jesus says, that there's so much harvest, we can't even get it all by ourselves. Because God hasn't left us clueless with how to live. Some of us, we look at the Bible like it is a, remember one of those posters, it was like a 3D image, and the more you stared at it, an image actually came. Is anyone else straight up 90s like I am? You know what I'm talking about? I don't know about you, but I could never see that, not once. Everyone's like, it's a dolphin. I'm like, it's a something. I would pretend that I saw it. The Bible is not like that. By the whisper of the Holy Spirit and by the word of God, God makes it very clear how we're called to live. He has not left you clueless on how to live. The Bible gives us very clear instructions on how to live walking with the shepherd even amongst the wolves. It is the answer to your emotional health. It is the answer to your relational health. It is the answer to your raising of your kids. It is the answer to your marriage. It is the answer to your finances. It is the answer to your purpose. It is the answer to your future. It is the answer to your destiny. And this is when we get united together with Jesus at the center, that his words become our ways, that we become unbreakable. Can we really change the world? Well, when we get united, we can. Can we really change the world? Yes, but we're going to need God's help. Jesus says, don't stop on the road and say hi to anyone. Now, we know that Jesus was constantly stopped on the side of the road and brought healing and, and many sermons sometimes and blessed and restored and redeemed broken situations. I don't think he's not saying don't be hospitable. I think he's saying don't be distracted. Can we really change the world? Yes, but don't do it distracted. We live in the most distracted season of all time. And I'm not just talking about social media or on your phone or all the streaming services that you can have. Uh, I'm just talking about missing moments and opportunities where God is desiring something from you then. And I, I know, like, when I go to the gym, I just start going back to the gym. And some of you are like, well, God, you already look so swollen. I'm like, okay, thank you. It's, it's obviously genetics. And <laughs> no, uh, but, but before, I used to have the AirPods, and I, I left them on a plane. And so now I've just been wearing the big dogs. Like the big old over ear muffs, you know what I'm talking about? And I'm loving it, just because the thing. Something about the AirPods, people would still talk to me for a moment, which is great. And if you see me at the gym, I'm, I will be there. I'll pray for you. That's amazing. Most of the time. But I'll just say, like, as soon as I put those on, I realize ain't nobody talking to me. And if they do, I make it very cumbersome when I take them off. Like, oh, gosh, hold on one second. Because I see the social butterflies in the gym, and, and then I see the people that are like getting in their gains and shreds, and I'm like, all oh, those people really focus. In fact, I saw a guy the other day had headphones on, a hat down low, and sunglasses. Like, he's either really hungover, or he's come here for some business. And I'll tell you, I looked at his physique, he's like, this guy means business. But I look at the social butterflies, and I look at the serious shredders, and I'm like, I, I want a little bit of that, because I don't have a lot of time here. So Jesus says, just don't stop what you're doing just to be relational. He says, when you stop there, eat there, and then go heal the sick. How many feel like God, Jesus escalates things real quickly? It's like, have a meal together. 
Get in a group together. Heal the sick. Declare that the kingdom of God is near. That's because this mission is so important. This message that matters the most is so significant. You cannot get sidetracked with a thousand different endeavors and miss this one thing that's eternal in our life. The reaching and the loving and the serving of humanity so they can know that the heart of God is open towards them, not against. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 20, Paul writes, For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It's living by God's power. It's not a kingdom of just words, although the gospel is a message in the story, but it is one of power. So we might need a little less conversation and a little more action. Because in verse 9 it says, the kingdom of God is near to you now. Not, 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 not next. It's, it's already here. The harvest already here. This is already now. Can we really change the world? Yes. But don't wait for tomorrow. What is God asking of you right now? I think every single one of us, whether you've been here first weekend, all 12 years, 630 plus weekends, or just one, there is something God is asking of you now. And I could go down a long list and probably hit some of them that would hit most of us, but I tell you right now, if you just turn to God in this second and say, Holy Spirit, what's my one thing? He'll tell you. He'll say, maybe it's about community or, or being a connect group. Maybe it's about stepping in and serving in a significant place here at church by going through next steps. Maybe it's about forgiveness that you have been harboring unforgiveness towards someone. It's time to let it go. Uh, maybe it's about just stepping up your prayer life by adding five, ten more minutes of prayer every single day. Maybe it's about actually that one thing in the Word of God that you know you're supposed to do, but you keep putting it off because it's kind of costly. But if you would do that one thing, you would see that the kingdom of God isn't next. It's, it's now. That maybe it's that person you're called to share your faith with bring along the journey to her future or to church with that you keep putting off because you're worried about rejection trust me jesus knows a whole lot about rejection and he says hey go now don't put it off another moment james chapter 4 the brother of jesus says look here those who say today or tomorrow we're going to go to this certain town and we're going to just stay there a year we're going to do business there and make a profit is how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow how many really feel like the last two years we got a fresh wake-up calls we don't know what's coming so the time is right now. He says your life is like the morning fog. It's like a dew that's here for a second. It's like a vapor and a mist, and it's gone before you know it. It's here for a little while, and then it goes forever. There are opportunities of a lifetime that happen in the, the lifetime of the opportunity. And yet, we don't live our life thinking we're going to miss it, because by the grace of God and leadership of the Holy Spirit, if we're in unity together, and we're letting Jesus at the center of all we do, and we're praying it out, and we're not getting distracted, and even when we do, we're quick to come in realignment. It's not about missing the opportunity. It's about this mission of Jesus that's right before us, and we all have a step that we can take today. And it's something that he's asking of us right now. Jesus gathers this group and says, it's your time. It's your time. And if you go to the places, and if you prepare a place, I'm going to show up. Oh, that excites me. I know that's a 2,000-year-old passage, but I feel like it's for us, Kingdom City Church, for the here and now. That if we'd be willing to step into it first, if we go into that relationship, that conversation to our neighborhood, to our workplace, to our school, to our extended family, if we would go first, then Jesus shows up next. But if we don't go, he doesn't come. Which seems like, again, that divine mystery of why would God ever choose that? This is just the way that he's desired to work. Not that he couldn't do it apart from you. He's just chosen not to. Because he wants his kids to be involved in the family business. And the business is to seek and save the lost. 
to bring heaven to earth, to heal marriages, to restore families, to bring change, healing, and restoration to all of our city and beyond, and the time is now. I would say 99% of us in the room watching online, you came to faith because God loved you so much, he sent somebody to love you, somebody to encourage you. He sent someone, maybe it was a duo, maybe it was a grandma, maybe it was a brother or a coworker, but someone risked first, took the step, they went and then Jesus followed. So Jesus doesn't send out impressive people. Jesus doesn't send out, we don't know how gifted they were. We just know that they got in on what Jesus wanted to do. They went now and Jesus showed up next. The mission starts with Jesus. The mission is all about Jesus but the mission moves because of us. God's plan, but you have a part, every one of us. I look around the room here, North Plaza at the 9 a.m. Every single Sunday, I see people that have been playing their part, some for 12 years. And I am, as much as I can be, eternally grateful for the opportunity to pastor such faithful people. But I feel like there's another sending of the 72 that Jesus is doing right now. And it's not just about what we're doing as a church, it's about what you've been called to do with your life. In this season, I, I hear about it from my pastor friends all over the nation, all over the world, that people just quit inviting people. After COVID and the politics, the racial injustice, all the pain and division, it's like, ah, we're just not gonna get involved with that anymore. Too risky, everyone's at odds. People are anti-church, that might be true. But if you're pro them, that will, and you're pro-Jesus, there, there's something that God can use if you go first. And I'm not saying you gotta go out and be a billboard that blasts Kingdom City everywhere you go. I'm just saying if you be in tune with the Holy Spirit, if you get in on what Jesus is doing, if you'll be willing to be united together, get in a group, if we begin to pray and participate, we don't get distracted and we don't wait for tomorrow, we do it today. You will start seeing that your life will make a significant difference in the eternities of others. Guys, can we say anything on the planet Earth that is more weighty than that? That the way that we live and the way that we love and the way that we serve and the way that we give matters for eternity. And there's a step to take right now. The best use of your life is to love. The best expression of love is time, intentionality. And the best time to love is right can we really change the world? Personally, I, I think so. I really do. I mean, with the world, that's eight billion. That's a lot. Can, can we really? Well, there's about, I don't know how many billion plus believers on the earth from the last 2,000 years. Started in an upper room of 120 men, probably with their families or loved ones. They just got united together. What did they do? They prayed. They, they brought God in. And the revival was so great that they literally, the people came to them. And then from that one moment of the baptizing of 3,000 men, it began to spread around the world. And here we are today, Plaza, online, North Kansas City, Lansing, it has come to us. And if we get united, we participate together, we would pray and get God entwined in that unbreakable life that he has for us, if we would not get distracted and we'd own this opportunity that's before us in this season, which friends, every season in the kingdom is harvest season. We would see him change the world. I don't know if we're gonna change the whole world. I think Jesus believes we will. 
But even if you didn't change the whole wide world, friend, you can change your world. You can reach your world. It matters more than you know. As Mother Teresa says, if you can't feed 100 people, feed just one. If you can't save 100 people, save one. If you can't give it all, give one. If you can't encourage everyone, encourage one. If you can't pray for everyone all at once, pray for one. And if even every single one of us would just do our one step, I actually believe this and I mean this, that in the next 12 months will be greater than the last 12 years. The next 12 months of salvations. The next 12 months of marriages restored. The next 12 months of youth rising up to own their place and opportunity in God's kingdom. The next 12 months of kingdom kids raised up to their future. The next 12 months will be greater than the previous 12 years. It is kingdom come season for us as a church. Eternal things hang in the balance. And yet God has decided in unity, through prayer, with him, distraction-free, owning the day, that we can change the eternities of those around us. Do you believe that? Church, can I pray for you? Would you stand to your feet on the plaza up north? I wanna pray that God would speak to your heart. I'm gonna pray, and I, I believe I'm gonna pray with authenticity, authority, and power. But it's actually God speaking to your heart that that's what's gonna bring the real change. So if you can just take a moment to open your heart to hear from God. In fact, why don't we do this? Everyone who's in the rooms, just maybe put your hands out in front of you as if to receive something from God. And we got here by the grace of God and 12 years of extremely faithful people. But I pray that God's gonna deposit something in you of you owning your opportunity so that we can change, really change the world around us. Father God, I first and foremost thank you for how good you've been to us. 2,000 years ago, you set us free on Calvary's cross and let us never forget that. In fact, if we get back to a moment of uh, that, that grace that met us in our broken place, whatever still remains broken in our life, we can just relax a little bit because you're gonna complete and perfect that which concerns us. So if you're willing to go to such great lengths to save us 2,000 years ago, then surely you can meet our needs today. And God, I thank you for every heart of everyone in our church, past and present, for the future that you've extended before us. We don't know quite what hole is in store, but we know there's a harvest out there, and we know it's greater than we can do by ourselves. So God, we're praying right now, in unity together as a community of faith, that you would send more harvesters that would carry your heart to all of humanity. Lord, for every church in Kansas City that lifts up the name of Jesus, we pray a bountiful harvest and blessing and favor on them. For us here in the Midwest, our nation and the world, I thank you that you're rising us up, raising us up in unity, in prayer, distraction-free, and owning every day to see kingdom come in Kansas City and beyond. For every individual family, every individual person who's a part of this church, Lord, give them the next step that they're called to take and give them the humility and that obedience to take that step. And whatever it looks like, Lord, I thank you on the other end of that place of faith, there is a reward of more of you, of more favor. And if we go first, Jesus, you're gonna follow. So as we step forward practically in unity, fervently in prayer, Lord, revival comes as Jesus follows us stepping in. Jesus, if you sent them out, you can send us out. If there's people to reach, people to love, people to connect, people to invite, people to pray for, we'll be those people. Lord, help us get over ourselves 
ourselves and get our eyes up on the harvest that's white before us. It is overripe, and it is our time to bring heaven to earth for every heart, every individual. By the mighty name of Jesus, let them own their God opportunity in community, in unity, prayerfully, distraction-free, so that we can see more of heaven come to Kansas City, more of heaven come to earth. In the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe that, come on, Plaza up north online. Can we just begin to worship God? Let's begin to glorify, let's glorify him for 12 years of his faithfulness and 12 months of revival and kingdom come in our church. Come on, let's sing. <laughs> 